Correct. Secretary Ben Carson's new office. She says that the pressure continues for her to, again, quote, find the money, find a way around this legal cap of spending only $5,000 for redecorating uh, the office. She says her supervisor told her, quote, $5,000 will not even buy a decent chair. Wait, what? What? A chair? Does Ben Carson think a good chair costs $5,000? This guy would be the worst prices right contestant. <laughs> How much for this can of beans? My guess is $3 million. <laughs> Wait, that's a wrong answer. $4 million. No, you're getting it wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What is $4 million? <laughs> Seriously, you can't get a good chair for less than $5,000, really? You realize you can get a sex chair off of Amazon that will literally sodomize you, and it's $49.99 with free shipping. That's real. You can go buy it. You can go buy it right now. And now, yesterday morning, when this news broke, Carson's people denied that he was out there buying gold-plated chairs. And that was cool for a few hours until this came out. The Department of Housing and Urban Development is under scrutiny, and rightly so. 31 grand of your money on a new dining room set for the secretary, Ben Carson. The New York Times reports HUD spent $31,000 on a new dining set for Secretary Ben Carson's office as cuts were being planned for programs to the homeless and elderly and poor. Ben Carson says he didn't know the table was purchased, but does not intend to return it. <laughs> You know, there are times when I doubt Ben Carson's blackness, but then something like this happens and I'm like, yeah, that's my dude. <laughs> no, because that's how black people handle shit, right? You get something you're not supposed to, but you have it now. Like the guy from Verizon will call up like, I'm sorry about this, but you paid for an iPhone 6 and we sent you a 10 by mistake. And be like, uh, sounds like you f***ed up. Bye-bye. <laughs> So it turns out Mr. Saving Money over here wanted a chair for over $5,000 and then bought a dining set for $30,000. And now The Guardian reported that his department just spent over $160,000 on lounge furniture. Yeah, you realize for that amount of money, he could have built a poor person a decent house. Yeah, or three uncomfortable houses, whichever way you want to go. <laughs> Like, Ben Carson is clearly doing some shady shit at his department, and it might also involve his wife uh, and his son. I don't know. I do think this is probably why the secretary was so evasive last year when Congress was questioning him about his budgets. Sir, you have uh, indicated that there will be substantial cuts to the budget that HUD has. How much from housing vouchers, Mr. Carson? Uh, Rather than go through a quiz on all the numbers, uh, it's not a quiz, Mr. Carson. I have the time to ask you questions about things that you should have some knowledge of. Why would the secretary of HUD not give the number, the amount that you're cutting from housing vouchers, Mr. Carson? How much, Mr. Carson? Let's hear your number. Mr. Carson. Yes, indeed. You're the testifying today. Yes, indeed. And if you want a moment to ask someone behind you, I would gladly accord you that moment. I, I, don't, I don't want to open the book and look at the numbers. What? Oh. Why does he sound like a kid who's too scared to look under the bed? I don't want to look under the bed and see the monsters. Uh, so things are not looking good for Dr. Ben Carson, right? especially because it seems like every day a new scandal pops up. And we haven't even talked about the biggest scandal yet. This happened just 11 days ago. You see, Dr. Ben Carson was on Fox News for an interview. 
and I'm not trying to be funny here, but he farted. <laughs> I promise you, we did not alter this footage. The audio is 100% real. Listen closely. You have a program that you told me about that really was or is the basis of this new WIN program. Right. What is it? Well, it's, it's called the Envision program. And, you know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, without a vision, the people perish. Oh! <laughs> ben Carson didn't just fart loudly on TV. He did it while quoting scripture. <laughs> Although, although, to be fair, to be fair, if you read the Bible, it does say, and I quote, without a vision, the people perish, brap. <laughs> it's in there. But let's not let this hilarious moment distract us from the real issue. While supporting deep budget cuts to his department, Carson is spending lavishly on dining sets and yep. lounge furniture and $5,000 chairs, which is not okay, unless that chair costs $5,000 because it has sophisticated fart suppressing technology. In that case, it's money well spent. This weekend was another big one on America's favorite reality show. As the celebrity of president told another contestant, you're fired. President Trump demanding the resignation of Tom Price. The Secretary of Health and Human Services is out. It comes after spending hundreds of thousands of dollars of your money on luxury jets. Price spent more than $400,000 in taxpayer money on those flights, and it turns out he is only reimbursing the government for the cost of his own seat, $51,887.31. That's right. Dr. Tom Price fired from President Trump's cabinet for using taxpayer money on private jets. Like, get off that jet. Okay, I, get, I can't wait to say what Trump is example of a doctor getting dragged off a plane. <laughs> it's got to be so humiliating to get fired by Trump for being too extravagant, right? That's like Benedict Cumberbatch saying that your name sounds too British. <laughs> but, but you know what? For me, this, this wasn't the biggest surprise. From the time this story first broke, it didn't seem like it would end well for Tom Price. It was not hard to figure out how President Trump felt about this. He was angry. He was frustrated. Mr. Trump berated Mr. Price in the Oval Office yesterday afternoon for about two hours before then heading out to meet with reporters. Wow. Trump chewed Price out two consecutive hours. I don't think Trump has focused on anything for two hours in his entire presidency. Two hours? You know how long that is? Trump yelled at him for so long. They probably had to order lunch in the middle of him shouting at him. You idiot! I can't believe you wasted taxpayer money on the... Hold on, yeah, uh-huh. Hey, you want to go in on fries? Yeah, but no dipping sauce, no, no ketchup for you. And also, let me get sorry, I mixed up who I was shouting at. Okay, bye-bye! And you know the whole time Tom Price was just like, hey, man, can we speed this up? I've got a flight to catch. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Keep it moving. Oh, and if, you, if you're wondering how sensitive Trump is to the optics of cabinet officials flying around on luxury jets, well, uh, he's this sensitive. Well, we have great secretaries, and we have some that actually own their own planes, as you know, and that solves that. Yeah, you see? That's Trump's real problem with Tom Price. He's too poor to own his own jet. That's not how cabinet appointments are supposed to work, Mr. President. You don't pick a defense secretary based on if he owns his own missiles. That's not how it rolls. And by the way, by the way, check out the fire truck in the background. I like the truck in the background when Trump is talking. It looks like he didn't pick up one of his toys after playtime. 
early on, he was just like, where's the fire? Where's the fire? Put it out! <laughs> but look, in the end, this whole plane thing may just have been an excuse because Tom Price's real sin was far more grave. It seems like P Tom Price's firing was as much about his failure to get Obamacare repealed as this relatively minor private jet controversy. Obamacare does it again. Another one. This thing takes everyone down. Price, Ryan, McConnell. Everyone comes after Obamacare, nobody leaves. <laughs> you know what Obamacare's like? Obamacare's like, you know in those old kung fu movies where the bad guy is like sending in his henchmen one at a time and the Obamacare's in the room and he's like, hmm, you, go! And then like he runs in and he's like, yeah! He's like, ah, you, go! And he's like, yeah! You, go in, get him! And Obamacare's just like, hmm. Never ends. Never ends. I almost feel bad for Tom Price, though, because from now on, he'll have to think about this every single time he flies commercial. He'll be on the plane, gazing out of the window, contemplating his life choices, and someone will be like, hey! Are you Tom Price? And be like, yes, yes, I am. And be like, well, I'm 24A. You have the middle seat. Move over. Move. Wow, that's a lot. That's just the top of it, y'all. They're gonna have more stuff being exposed. I'm telling you, I think that's kind of old news, but I think they they're putting it all together. Every week, it feels like another Trump cabinet official is getting caught in a scandal. Right, ben Carson spent a fortune on furniture. Tom Price used private jets like they were Ubers. And of course, Betsy DeVos has that scandal because she abandoned a bunch of kids on a school trip to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, a lot of people think she shouldn't have done that. But recently, recently, everyone has been talking about Scott Pruitt. He's the head of the Environmental Protection Agency and the love child of George W. Bush and a baked potato. Because you see, He's taken cabinet scandals to a whole new level. President Trump is standing by EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt amid growing ethics scandals. Let me put up a list of all the other things that have come up. There's the condo that he rented from energy lobbyists. The, he approved raises, apparently, for two aid salaries after the White House had declined the request. He asked security to use sirens to cut through traffic. He reassigned staffers after they raised concerns about his spending. He requested a 24-7 security detail on personal trips that racked up tens of thousands of dollars. Okay, okay, hold up, hold up. Am I the only person who was shocked when they went to page two? <laughs> like, when your scandal resume goes to the second page, you're done f***ed up. So much scandal. Even Shonda Rhimes would be like, okay, this is unrealistic. Come on now. How much scandal for one person? I mean, this list is so long that the CNN anchor literally has to pause to catch her breath. He spent $120,000 on a trip to the Vatican. He hired 12 more agents, costing at least $2 million per year for their salaries. He has all these flights in first class totaling more than $100,000 in the first year of the administration. He has spent approximately $25,000 for a highly secure soundproof booth for Pruitt. He considered buying a $70,000 bulletproof desk replacement. You're okay with all that? Uh, no, I am not okay with that. And yeah. neither should anyone else. Right? The head of the EPA is spending taxpayer money like he just woke up in Chris Brown's body. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> I mean, let's, 
like, let's just look at some of the things that he did, right? He spent $120,000 to go high-five the Pope, right? He also said that he was afraid that people were listening to his phone conversations, so he spent $43,000 building a soundproof booth. Yeah, $43,000 on a soundproof booth. Mother never heard of whispering? <laughs> Listen to this one. Scott Pruitt wanted to spend $75,000 on a bulletproof desk, which I don't even understand. What's the point of a bulletproof desk? It only works if your assassin doesn't know how to walk around stuff. It's like, die! Oh, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Oh, man, this always happens. And also, why does the head of the EPA need this level of security anyway? Like, who's coming after him? A polar bear coming for revenge? Like, he's like, hey, Pruitt, you drowned my wife! Oh, and, and surprise, surprise, uh, Scott Pruitt only flies first class, but the reason he gave is pretty great. Pruitt says he needs first class because of unpleasant interactions with passengers. What might be an example of that? According to the security office, an individual who approached Pruitt at an airport yelling, Scott Pruitt, you're effing up the environment. <laughs> uh, you're fixing up the environment? What does that mean? First of all, uh, whoever said that to him in the airport is a hero, okay? And, uh, yeah, he is. And secondly, secondly, flying, flying first class doesn't help you avoid angry passengers, right? Because now everyone on the plane is walking past you. Yeah, it's just gonna be like a line of people just being like, you're effing up the environment. You're effing up the environment. You drowned my wife! Ah, he's back! Why did I check my desk in? I should have kept it! It's not just overspending. Everything Pruitt touches turns to shady. So shady, so shady, in fact, that even Fox News called him out. President Trump said he would drain the swamp. I don't think. Is draining the swamp renting an apartment from the wife of a Washington lobbyist? I don't think that that's even remotely fair to ask that question. Why did you go around the president and the White House and give pay raises to two staffers? I did not. My staff did, and I found out about that yesterday, and I changed it. So somebody being fired for that? That should not have been done. And it so may, who it, did it? It may be there. There would be some accountability. A career person or a political person? I, have to, I, I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. You don't know. So you don't know who did it. I think this is something that needs to be corrected. And it was a mistake. By, it, was a, it was a mistake by my team. That by I, your I, team. So do you take responsibility? I'm for fixing boss? it. I'm fixing it. It's baby, 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 I bet Pruitt didn't expect those questions from that network. Like, he was probably like, my dude, we're on Fox. What the hell are you doing? Come on, you ask me how big Trump's dick is, I say enormous, and then we throw to a reverse, reverse mortgage commercial. Come on, buddy, what's wrong with you? Now, now before you get excited, before you get excited, uh, thinking Pruitt is going to be Trump's next weekly firing, uh, remember one thing. Pruitt may be an over-entitled, self-dealing cabinet member. But he's really good at being bad for the environment. Pruitt's saving grace may be that he's seen by the president and other White House officials as Mr. Trump's most effective cabinet secretary. He's started rolling back more than two dozen Obama-era environmental regulations, including Mr. Obama's signature vehicle emission standards and clean power plan. He also successfully advocated for the president to pull out of the Paris Climate Accord. You know, it's amazing how the only thing you need for Trump to consider you effective 
is to just hit delete on anything Obama did. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if the next cabinet official is just a heavy pebble on a keyboard. That's all it's gonna be. Basically, with this whole scandal, Trump is like, folks, I know Scott Pruitt is super dirty, but thanks to his hard work unprotecting the environment, soon we'll all be every bit as dirty as he is. Here's what I find interesting about the conversation in and around who's a burden, right? People will say, oh, this person took a tax incentive. Isn't that what Republicans always preach? That's exactly what they say. They say like, hey, we don't want to make this uh, a, a money issue for you, so we're going to give you tax cuts. You can take your tax cuts and your tax incentive, and now it's like, wait, so if the people did get a tax incentive, now those people won't be able to renew their status in the United States? People who, by the way, may have started families, businesses, everything, like you, you may not be able to stay because they're just like, yeah, you, you did the thing that we, we said you could do. <laughs> yeah. And it's always interesting how they bring up like the food stamps and all that. They'd be like, these people, you don't want immigrants who are here who are a burden on the system. And, and I get, look, I don't agree, but I get the argument when they go like undocumented immigrants. But when it's a person who's here legally and they may have used any type of system that's part of the, the, the country, it makes sense. All right? And then you look at someone like Betsy DeVos, who, uh, I don't know if you saw the news today, it was reported Betsy DeVos's family has one of their yachts, one of their yachts, where they've saved in the region of two and a half million dollars in taxes on. They were supposed to pay the two and a half million dollars in taxes, but the way they've avoided that is by claiming that the boat is not an American boat, and they fly the boat with a Cayman flag. So they say the boat is from the Cayman Islands, it's a Cayman Islands boat. Even though they own it as Americans, they're like, yeah, it's not an American boat. It's like, I mean, it's going to be parked in America most of the time, and we're going to get on the boat, and we're going to get off the boat, but it's a Cayman boat. It's like Cayman's Caribbean, it's not American. And I'm like, yeah, this is the same Betsy DeVos. She's like, America, in this country, we're proud in America, America. And then she gets on her boat, she's like, as an American, I think that we're going to go to the Cayman Islands. And I've been thinking about all the tax implications. So you tell me who's mooching more on the system, someone who's not paying the tax they should be paying, finding ways to not pay $2.4 million, or someone who's using Obamacare or a tax incentive because they earn $50,000 a year. I don't know. You tell me. You tell me. Steve Bannon, Donald Trump's former chief strategist and guy selling fake tickets outside the Billy Joel concerts. Bannon left the White House in 2017. But he has remained popular in MAGA-land. And one thing he's used that popularity for is raising money to help Trump build his beautiful, perfect border wall. Well, at least that's what he said the money was for. But it turns out, maybe not. Breaking news this hour. The former chief strategist to the president has been arrested. Federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York have indicted Steve Bannon for what they say is his role in defrauding hundreds of thousands of Americans in connection with an online crowdfunding campaign known as the We Build the Wall. The allegation essentially is that Steve Bannon marketed this scheme, this Build the Wall scheme, collected donations from hundreds of thousands of donors under the false pretense that this money is going to go to build a southern border wall. Instead, what Steve Bannon and the other defendants allegedly did was pocket that money, use it to pay for lavish lifestyles. Bannon apparently was arrested while on a 150-foot yacht off the coast of Westbrook, Connecticut. He was arrested by uh, investigators with the U.S. Attorney's 
Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, and also with investigators with the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. That's the arm of the Postal Service that conducts financial investigations. I can't believe this. Another Trump guy has been arrested? After the Aryan Brotherhood and Latin Kings, the largest prison gang in America might be the former Trump campaign officials. And everything about the story is insane. First of all, Bannon was arrested on a 150-foot yacht. And I know everyone is innocent until proven guilty, but I mean, let's be real. Anyone arrested on a yacht, I mean, you're guilty. Also, they said Bannon was arrested by investigators from the post office. I don't know if it's just me, but I didn't even know the post office had police. Where were those guys when my neighbor took my Amazon package? I can hear you using the vacuum. That's not vacuum. But the best part of the story is why Bannon was arrested, right? He's accused of stealing money from people who thought they were donating to build Donald Trump's wall. Because you know, you wouldn't want any criminals sneaking into the country. And I'm honestly curious to see how this plays out. Because the people who got ripped off now hate Steve Bannon, right? But they obviously really love Donald Trump. But Trump loves Steve Bannon. So I feel like this whole thing is going to end with Trump getting those people to donate for Bannon's defense fund. But then Trump steals the money and moves to Mexico, which he can get to easily because there's no wall. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. I tell you. Boy, I tell you. That's all I can say. It just amuses me how all this stuff is connecting. The very stuff that was exposed a couple of years ago that they're reiterating. Right now, they're debating about it for the new election to come up. You know, and with the EPA, uh, how they just... Reverse everything, right? The emission standards with the EPA. Uh, they're going back and forth with this green plan, which they didn't demolish. It's like, like he said, everything that Obama put in place to help the country um, clean the environment, <laughs> healthcare, they, he wanted to delete it. And I feel, I, I can't really say I feel because. I'm learning that if a person's mindset is already in a certain place and at his age, that man is a straight-up prideful narcissist. It's all about him no matter what. And um, that's just what the country have to deal with right now. But at the end of the day, what he thought he was doing good uh, he's going to have to give an answer to a lot to the Lord, period. And I believe all them politicians, gotta get, they're going to give an account no matter what. So I kind of like feel sorry for them because a lot of them feel they're above the law and they take their position and use their power for negative and not for good. And as you heard, it's for their better good. I mean, what, what are you going to do with a $5,000 chair? Come on now. I always say, Lord... I know you're going to have me in a place where I'm going to have money to do whatever I want, right? Uh, I feel I'm at peace, and I can do that now. I just have to budget it a little, be more frugal with stuff. 
But even when I do have extra money, I don't just go and say, oh, I got an extra thousand dollars. I'm going to buy me some Louis Vuitton. The devil is a lie. I will never. I'm serious. Somebody really going to have to buy that for me. And I don't even think I'll feel comfortable wearing it, knowing, knowing that I know other people. Uh, well, how much is Louis Vuitton? It's almost, what, two, three thousand dollars? You know, hey, it's all good. You could buy that. I guess every woman should be able to have a pair, right? But I, I won't spend money on it. I just can't see myself doing it. And, and to kind of think of it, uh, I was, I guess I wasn't materialistic as some because I was not able to have the materialistic things like every other child had growing up and as a teenager. You know, um, when I look back and think about other stories, um, when when Bill Cosby was telling, um, oh, I forgot his name. He was like, well, Dad, we're rich. He said, wait, wait, rewind. He said, no, I'm rich. You poor. You know, and when you think about it, the children should have a better attitude towards their parents because we are raising them, right, and providing extra for them so they can be better, look better, feel better, right? But in naturality, you have no money. You have no resources. You know, and when I grew, when I was growing up, I didn't have all that extra stuff. So I guess my mindset wasn't never on material stuff because I never had the opportunity to to experience it. You know, and when I was able to buy something, like even now, I guess the last last 10 years, God had to really deal with me and still is. If you like it, get it. It's okay. You, It's, it's not a sin. If you like that purse, buy it. You know, and he know I'm frugal, you know, but he also makes sure that uh, if I like it, like, for instance, when I went on this cruise three years ago, right, man, I was so excited. I had so much fun. I had money in my pocket. Like, if I wanted to take pictures, I took pictures, and I was able to buy them. You see what I'm saying? They had the little game show thing, and you you, you buy two, you get one free or whatever. I had... I was able to enjoy myself and buy what I want, and then I was like, oh... I was always thinking about somebody else. I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to buy this for this person. I think they'll really like it. So I'm always bringing people along with me. You know, and I and I, and I had to, like, really, really um, step back, you know, step back and and say, hold up, hold up, hold up, D. Come on, hold up. Now, hey, this is the time to really see. People go places and come back because there's very few that think of you when they gone. All right? You got to look at the bigger picture, you know. And so I'm like, whoa, okay, you know. So that's that's where I'm at with that. And that's my little rant on all this stuff that's happening. You know, it's all going to be exposed sooner or later, you know. Sooner or later, y'all. You don't have to really worry. Sooner or later. American people and overturn the ACA and Ooh, overturn Roe v. Wade. Wow. That's what this is about. That's why we're here. It's very simple. Senate Republicans know the American people don't want this, but they don't care because they have only one small window of opportunity to work the system, betray what the American people want. And so they're desperately rushing to complete this process before America starts voting, but they don't have to do this. If one of my colleagues will stand up on this committee 
We can hold this over until after an election. If two of my colleagues on the Senate floor agree with their other two colleagues, Republicans, we can stop this. Otherwise, this is a charade when they say this is a normal Judiciary Committee hearing for a Supreme Court nomination. There's nothing about this that's normal. It's not normal that Senate Republicans are rushing through a confirmation hearing, violating their own words, their own statements, betraying the trust of the American people and their colleagues, and failing to take in this hearing even the most basic safety protections to protect people around them, all to ensure that tens of million people, tens of millions of people will lose their health care when we're seven months into one of the worst public health crises in the history of our country. It's not normal. This is not normal that millions of Americans like Michelle and Merritt are, are just scared of a deadly virus. They're scared of their fellow Americans who are sitting in this room right now. They're scared that their government and their institutions will be manipulated by people who could not work through the democratic process to take away their health care and are trying an end run to achieve that. Nothing about this today is normal. This is not normal. What is going on in America today in the midst of a deadly pandemic and an ongoing election, having a rushed Supreme Court nomination hearing is not normal and we cannot normalize it people are voting right now the american people should decide the american people should decide the american people should decide i will not be voting to confirm judge barrett's nomination whoa thank you senator crapo mr i, I would like to submit a letter for the record if i may whoa it, it, it would would we should not be rushing, as I said, this process. Uh, my colleagues agree with me that we should be working to protect the health and safety of Americans across the country and taking the precautions, greater precautions in this workplace. I'd like to enter into the record a letter from Senators Leahy, Senator Harris, and myself that we sent to the chairman last week asking that these hearings not proceed without proper testing measures, without all of us being tested and a COVID safety protocol being put into place. Thank you. Without objection. Whoa. Um, they respond. Well, I tell you, um, see how they responded to the previous election as since March with a new parole board chair, Tanya Chapman, along with possibilities of correcting some ambiguities in the code during the 2021 session. We're going to prepare some legislation. Uh, but the report itself is is property of the OSIC. It is there. Uh, authority, obligation, responsibility to determine whether or not that gets released. And by code, it contains uh, information that is uh, is uh, not FOIAble. So they have not released it. But that is a determination by FOIA. And if you recall, uh, wow, this uh, is a lot, y'all. You know, some of the complaints see, that are being lodged now. You see all the stuff the, that's uh, going on underneath our our nose, man. I'm telling you. Um, I like Senator uh, Cory Booker. Um, he he's saying he said I will not <laughs> be uh, voting. I've I've had voted all my life, but when I rolled up to Friendship West Baptist Church, I saw this massive line after the polls had been open twenty seven minutes.
Yes, Lord. I tell you guys, well, how y'all doing? I am just striving to update some information. Um, they have so much out here and it's moving so fast. Um, go print. I'm trying to see if I can print what I just did. Please print or save this page. Do they have a print option for me to print? It's not really new business information. I had to uh, update our address, and I I see that uh, some of the organizations they revising their website too. I'm trying to do the same thing. It is rushed. It is rushed. It is rushed. And it's a shame. A theory of color confrontation and racism. You call racism white supremacy. Uh, to be sure, a provocative and controversial theory on skin color and oppression. Well... I'm ready. So is this mostly but not exclusively white audience. Let them have it, doctor. What's how? <laughs> boy, oh boy, you, you need an escort to get out of your speeches? No, now, let me just give you a little background. This paper was written approximately in 1969 and presented in 1970. It was written for a group of black psychiatrists who were looking at racism. Yeah. It was also written because as a psychiatrist and working in a hospital trying to treat black people and white people, but recognizing that the majority of the problems that black patients had in a psychiatric hospital, when you took a history, you would run smack into racism. So I knew I had to understand racism to help solve the mental health problems of black people. So out of my brain computer, putting in the question why, why do we see this behavior? Why have we seen it for hundreds of years? So I thought about these two things, basically two facts, that even though the white population says that people of color are minorities, minorities, that it is the white population that is the, the minority, majority. the minority on the planet. That's the reality you're saying. That's the reality. Yeah. That in spite of the fact that black people, non-white people have heard over and over again, you're genetically inferior because you are non-white. That in reality, white skin is a genetic recessive status, not as said by Francis Welsing. You it? see, what meaning that if meaning a that if you and I were to have a baby, the baby would have color, and you make the contribution, and I don't. That the that white so plus what? colored. Well, wait a minute. It's not Francis Welsing that is concerned about the disappearance of white. Ben Wattenberg just wrote a book, The Birth Dirt. There have been multiple articles in the newspaper talking about the decline of Western populations. Yeah, here's, so, the, uh, here's the Western Post, just to name one. We are a depopulation uh, bomb, the withering of the Western world. Here, incidentally, uh, 
this was uh, this was the percentage of the West's population in 1900, the turn of this century, uh, about 30 percent. Uh, this is where we'll be less than 10 percent in, in uh, the year 2075. Here's where we are about today, 15. So we're not having babies. So whites are not having babies, and there is the concern about white genetic annihilation. In other words, I look at, this is Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday holiday, and people will say, well, here's a man who talked about love. Yeah. Why was he killed? And I say that the deeper logic is, what if all black and white people and non-white people and white people love? What would happen to white people? White would disappear. You see, just mix all of the people on the planet if, up in other words, together. If race didn't matter, or if color didn't matter, it follows with the jet plane. No, I'm not saying if it didn't matter. I'm saying that, indeed, if there was a mingling of all of the people. because the ability, the okay, fine. absence of prejudice. The ability, no, wait, don't confuse what I'm saying. I'm saying that if we mixed all of the people presently on the planet, stirred them up. That the white, freckle-faced people white would be gone. genetic recessive status would disappear. And that if you, if I did a survey and everybody didn't have to, you know, face anybody, if I said, how many people, how many people who are white want their children to be white, want their grandchildren to be white, want their great-grandchildren to be white, want their great-great-grandchildren to be white. And I've gone all over the country in England and asked this question. Yes. Everybody wants the children and the generations to remain white. Yes. If you do, then you have to do something to make sure that that happens. And I say that what the thing is that is done, and particularly in relationship to black non-whites, because we have the greatest genetic potential to cause white genetic annihilation, because you're the blackest. Because we, right. The most colored. Right. We have this ability to produce melanin pigment. We have more of it than anybody else. And so the most pressure is on black people. As a matter of fact, the black people learn, all non-white people over the world learn. If you're black, stay back. If you're yellow, you're brown, stick around. If you're yellow, mellow, white, right. I can go to England and the people can just say the same thing. Doesn't matter whether, if you go to the Philippines because there has been a confrontation of brown with white. Everybody knows the more pigment you have, the more pressure that is on you. Yeah. But they didn't understand why. I said yeah. the why is for the purpose of white right. genetic survival. Mm. Genetic survival. So that's what all this fuss about, genetics. Responsible for the content of this act. Do you agree that a president must follow a court order and the Supreme Court's word is final? Or is the Supreme Court's word only final as far as the lower courts are concerned? Um, Senator Leahy, I'm glad to have the opportunity to clarify from our conversation. First, I know that both Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh said that no man is above the law, and I agree with that. But I conversed with Senator Lee yesterday about Federalist 78, which says that courts have neither force nor will. In other words, we can't do anything to enforce our own judgments. And so what I meant in the conversation with you is that as a matter of law, the Supreme Court may have the final word, but the Supreme Court lacks control over what happens after that. The Supreme Court and any federal court has no power, no force, and no will, so it relies on the other branches to 
react to its judgments accordingly. I remember as a young law student having lunch, uh, our honor society at Georgetown was able to have lunch with the members of the Supreme Court. I sat with Justice Hugo Black. He told me what happened with Brown versus Board of Education. And, and the court knew that was going to be a very, very uh, tough case. And what did they do? Uh, they waited until they had a unanimous opinion because they knew that the president uh, would have to and the Congress would have to enforce their law. So let me ask you this. Of course, the Supreme Court has no army. They have no force, but they do have the force of law. And is a president who refuses to comply with a court order a threat to our constitutional system of checks and balances? Senator Leahy, I think the example of Brown is a perfect one in this instance because the Supreme Court in Brown, of course, held that segregation violated the Equal Protection Clause. That was the law. But as you know, there was resistance to that decision. And so it wasn't until the National Guard came in and forced Governor Falbus to allow desegregation that it could happen because the Supreme Court couldn't do so itself. And in Cooper versus- I, I understand that, but they, but they made the order. And could a president, um, if a president refused to follow what they had said, would that be a threat to our constitutional form of government? Well, as I said, the Supreme Court can't control whether or not the president obeys. Uh, Abraham Lincoln once disobeyed an order during the Civil War of a circuit court. So a court can pronounce the law and issue a judgment, but it lacks control over how the political branches respond to it. Well, let me ask you a specific that has come up. President Trump claims he has a absolute right uh, to pardon himself. Now, for 200 years, the uh, Supreme Court has recognized common law principle that nobody can be a judge in their own case. That's I had to go way back and reread uh, Calder versus Bull uh, to see that. But um, would you agree first that nobody is above the law? Not the president, not you, not me. Is that correct? I agree. No one is above the law. And does a president have an absolute right to pardon himself? Uh, for a crime. I mean, we saw, we heard this question after President Nixon's impeachment. Um, Senator Leahy, so far as I know, that question has never been litigated. That question has never arisen. Um, that question may or may not arise, but it's one that calls for a legal analysis of what the scope of the pardon power is. So because it would be opining on an open question when I haven't gone through the judicial process to decide it, it's not one on which I can offer a view. Okay, and so, but uh, you were willing to say that no person, not you, not me, not a president, is above the law. Um, I, I find your answer somewhat incompatible, but those are your answers. You have a right to say what you want. Mm. Whoa.
Well, I tell you, it's getting heated in that, that hearing. Working from anywhere means your cybersecurity can be coming from who knows where. That's Office one thing I, um, I commend the Democrats. They're asking the right questions. And, and it just amuse, it's a really amusing me how the Republican just like, okay, um, the other guy the other day, he was, I guess, pretending to be like drilling her and making some statements, but he said he will confirm her. So she got, he got a, she got a yes out of him so far, I think. They got like full nose that they're not gonna they're not going to confirm her but from what I'm hearing she's really not answering none of the questions that they're asking her they, she's you know um, I do understand the concerns that they are asking her and she is replying stating that until she um, actually within a hearing she would have to go over every situation and put herself on the other side of the party right to agree or not to agree with the case to make it stick now I don't know if anybody really know but one thing I do remember in school that whenever a case go before the Supreme Court that gives other individuals an opportunity to use that case to litigate their case. You understand? I forgot my turkey meat out. Shoot. Yeah. So that's why. So that's why um, they are pressing this Roe versus Wade issue. Okay, um, I'm not for abortions, but they have situations, medical reason why it's necessary for an individual to have an abortion, and the big fuss about that is if 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 they overturn it because that case is coming up um November tenth I say I think they say that case is coming up. For them to review. So if they confirm her this month. She's going to be sitting on that bench. And they need that vote. To pass it or deny it. And that's why they're rushing. To get her confirmed. Even with the the present. The president election. If they have to take it to the electoral college. To decide who is the president. They need her vote. To balance it to to cross over, you understand why all this is happening like this is, and it will affect a lot, a lot of things that are on pause to go back and appeal or amend or overturn. It's up to her. She's like she's like the balancing one to break the tie. Put it like that. To bring it down where we can understand. She's the one that's like break the tie. And they're referencing stuff way back with Abraham Lincoln. And overall, you guys, like I was sharing with um, 
I guess my daughter. I don't know. I was sharing it with somebody. Um, when you think about all of it, especially for other nationalities besides the British, the colonizers, right? The Constitution and stuff, it was not even written with us in mind. Especially black folks. We came in underneath the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. And they didn't even honor that still because it wasn't a specific bill that was for black folks, which it was the Civil Rights Acts, right? But they added everything else with that. So it just wasn't for uh, a protection for the blacks like they have the tribal protection for the Native Americans, which we are black natives, okay? But they literally have protections for tribal nations, Native Americans, where just certain things they're not going to mess with. If they have any court issues and they ask you, if you go to the courts, they're going to ask you, are you part of any tribal organization or you're Native American or whatever? And then you say yes. They say case dismissed. They'll give you your file and tell you you have to bring this to your courts. They have their own system, y'all. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Or go to the court and, and sit in there. Well, you can't go in there now because of COVID. But I remember when I had to go to court. And I was always asking, well, why are they always asking them that? You know, excuse me. And that's what it is. They have protection. And that's all we really need.